This kid Mac with Mac Boys Custom Wood Furniture and Memphis Nightlight Promoter. I'm on Rebel Effective Podcast with Ina Esco. Hey, don't know anything, girl. I want to love to hear this now representing. Big up Ina Esco. Big up Verbally Effective. Yeah, man. Jamaica representing to the fullest. Chilani. Hey, guys. It's your double E, Ina Esco, with the Verbally Effective Podcast. I just want to thank all of you for coming out to our second live podcast show on Good Friday from DMs to dating. It was awesome. The feedback from the event has been great. And we are planning our next one. So make sure you are tuned in to those details. Also, be sure to follow the Verbally Effective Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook. Also, visit the website verballyeffective.com. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, make sure you fill out the Be a Guest portion. Verbally Effective, your double E, Ina Esco here. And you are tuned in to episode 66. I have Mr. Coldway in the building, rapper, singer, producer, amongst other things. What's up, Coldway? Hey, hey, what's up, what's up? How are you? I'm good, I'm good. You know, everything under the sun is still, you know what I'm saying, still here. So, yeah, I can't complain. Yeah, um, I just saw you last Friday at the live podcast show at the Hadaloo, and you know everybody was digging your your feedback on hey, the topic. Hey, you know, go Cupid. You know, when it comes to relationships, I got a little insight, got a bit of a, you know, got a bit of forward thinking. So, okay. you know, I just have to share it with the world sometimes. Okay, well, we'll be talking more about some of your forward thinking, but we're gonna get started mm-hmm. at the beginning now. Exactly. Coway, where are you from? I am from the drum roll, Memphis. What part? <laughs> I am from, so I kind of moved around some young um, when we first moved here. I was actually born in Arkansas, okay. but, you know, we immediately moved here, uh, lived in Bartlett, then Cordova, spent most of my teenage years and, you know, high school years in Cordova, and then just been around the city. You graduated from Cordova, huh? I did. You did? 07, Wolfpack. How Wolfpack. was Cordova? Uh, Cordova was interesting because the years I was there um, was the transition from county to city. Okay. And I got to see that firsthand, like from no uniforms, you know, mm-hmm. to the good school food and then <laughs> to the uniforms, the metal detectors and oh. gangs and, and all that. So uh, it was interesting. Like, I got to see Memphis as a whole, in one high school. Wow. Uh, you, you'll learn a lot, mm-hmm. you know, in, in four years of, of of change, so. Wow. What type of extracurricular activities were you involved in at Cordova? Um, man, so, did football, of course. Okay. That's, that's why I'm, that's why I'm built the way I am, you know what I'm saying, just a little <laughs> what bit. What position? Uh, linebacker, middle linebacker. Okay. I was, I was, Head chief of the of the defense. Uh, did a little bit of track, um, but you know, took took football all the way to college, and that's when I decided it wasn't for me. Why? What what college did you go to with football? I went to Arkansas Tech. So um, happened? You know, I think at that point, the main thing for me being away from home, my main issue was I was away from the studio. And that was my issue in college. It was like I was coming home every week. I also had a girlfriend. Psst. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but my biggest thing was I couldn't record. I couldn't get these notes in my head out. And like, wow. and I was like, nah, I can't do this. Really? I, I stayed there one semester. And you was done, done, I was done, 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 done. Oh, wow. Yeah, had to get so up out of there. prior to going uh, to college with football, so you must have, you know, was really serious about music already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been doing music so, since I was seven. Um, I used to have a really, really high voice when I was, like, young. And I would always sing Tevin Campbell. And uh, <laughs> I was going to, I was doing this whole uh, McDonald's, some kind of competition, and I was going to do... Uh, Showtime in the Apollo. But I don't know what happened. I was seven, eight, and like it just it never happened. You were nervous? No, no I never got there. <laughs> I never got I don't know. But that was the plan. I, yeah, that was the plan. Like, man, I did the <laughs> auditions and the this and that, but like, yeah, so 
Um, from there, I never sung a note until I think I was like 17, 18. Were you in the choir at school? No, no choir. Uh, I was in, you know, the little recorded flutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in that little thing, you know, in <laughs> elementary school. And I was killing it. But, you know, I, I, it was just one year. But mm-hmm. I always knew I had some kind of foundation for music built in me. Uh, I just didn't know where it was or, or like what it stemmed from. So when did that really uh, start to cultivate like what you wanted to do with music? I think the first time we recorded something, it was me and my uh, one of my lifelong friends, Delorence. He he uh, he brought me in, and his cousin did music. His cousin rap. And he was like, man, we're going to do what he do. We're going to figure out how to do it. So we just had, like, a computer microphone, and we had a shoebox and a footstool. Mm. And we used the shoebox for the kick drum and the footstool for, like, the snare, and we just made it happen. <laughs> and then we make the, the sounds with our mouth. Like, it was real. It We had no inspiration. We just went and did it and like we didn't know you were supposed to write we just thought everything was freestyle because <laughs> so, that's what we've seen everybody do mm-hmm. like you see you mimic what you see we never saw the writing process back then mm-hmm. so we just thought everybody was just coming up and then we said you know what we got to do the same thing we got to learn how to do it so we learned how to freestyle at an early age mm-hmm. we learned how to kind of self-produce at an early age and then when we got some real equipment we had to figure that out. And again, this whole time, we don't know that there are producers, there are engineers, there are writers, mm-hmm. there are writing sessions. Like, we don't know any of this. So we just going for it mm-hmm. and having the self-taught everything, which is why I, I'm able to do what I can do today. You know, like, I can produce, I can write it, I can sing it, I can engineer it, I can master it. I, you know, like, we we didn't have any other way to get it done because we didn't know there's something about when you start from scratch and you try to figure it out on your own and then you really perfect your craft right yeah yeah like experience is always the best teacher Mm -hmm. like uh beyond that like somebody could tell you to do something or you could figure it out yourself and once you bump your head enough you're at least you know what not to do yeah 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 yeah. like (laughs) once you once you done done enough damage to yourself you know what not to do and sometimes that's better than knowing what to do because you, sometimes you won't know your boundaries until you get cut. Mm-hmm. So of all those elements you just mentioned that you're capable of doing, which one is your favorite? I knew you was going to ask that. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you it. knew a lot. I knew it. Um, I just like creating. Um, and I, I guess I enjoy it all damn near the same. Uh, engineer a little bit less because it's more so fine-tuning what I've already created. So mm-hmm. it's space for creation there, and uh, you know, but it, it's less of it. But producing, man, singing, writing, being an artist, like it all, I think for me, it kind of coincides because as a producer, you're an artist. As a singer, you're an artist. As a writer, you're an artist. So um, I just kind of find the, the balance between the two because – Whenever I start a song, I don't always start with the beat. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I start with the words first. Sometimes the melody hit me. Like, you know, just whatever inspires me. I mean, during your journey with this music, I mean, early on, you actually, you know, have been signed and some other stuff, right? Mm. So Ed, I've been asked that question a lot. It's a common misconception. So I've never been signed. Um I've I've done independent deals. Okay. Um, I've been offered deals before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've ran with people as if, as if I was signed, but it was more so on like an individual contractor type of deal. Like you was know, that at your preference. Um, I think it was situational. Um, some some deals I turned down were my preference. Uh, some situations. Um. You had to make the best of it. So, you know, instead of being signed, I would, you know, get the money elsewhere mm-hmm. or around the same situation. Mm-hmm. Um, what would make you turn down a deal? <laughs> I think the biggest thing for me is creative control, um, even beyond a percentage, um, which is very important. But, you know, I can't say, man, if I don't get half, I ain't going to do it because if 
if they come and say, man, we got 49%, you know, or, or, or so, or, or of that such, you know, business is business. Everything's negotiable. Um, but creative control is the most important because that's the message that you're putting out to the world. Like, that's you extended. And, you know, I think a lot of people kind of forget that. And then when they get into these situations and the label says, okay, you're you now, we're going to make you this after you sign. And a lot of times they don't tell you that or you don't even know what's going on. They have a board meeting and you get an email saying, we got this pop record you got to do and <laughs> you done been a gangster rapper your whole life and you don't know how to take it. Like, man, that stuff is very, very, it's very critical um, to to your brand. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, we've heard a lot of stories about well-known artists that have been really done bad by these labels. You would think at this point we've heard that it shouldn't happen going forward with anyone else. Like, yeah. I'm a lawyer up. This is not going to happen to me, right? Yeah, well, here's the thing. Like, the industry is, is it's a dirty, dirty business, but it is a business. Nobody is, other than Suge Knight, <laughs> nobody's forcing you to sign this paperwork but what they'll do is they'll put the prettiest face in front of you they'll put the nicest uh voice mm. on the phone mm. they'll send the best worded email to you and you feel like you you in a family so enticing <laughs> a lot of people don't under a lot of people forget family can burn you too so yeah so man they they get a good relationship they be man let's do this let's do that and we're gonna do this with you and do that with you and then you know, you sign a deal, a month later, the person that signs you, gone. Mm. And people forget, you still tied to that record label. So the stuff that you weren't worried about because it was on good faith, well, that's out the window. So now they got to figure out how to, you know, that person at the top of that office, he got to figure out how to get some money off you. And he going to do whatever it takes to make that budget. You know, like, he, he got to make his money. Mm-hmm. Now, with you being an independent artist... <laughs> Um, I've been seeing you on the music scene for the longest. I know that you've even been a part of our next big thing contest before. Yeah. Remember that? I have. How did that experience go? That experience was cool. Um, I'll tell you one thing. It taught me (laughs) how important uh, influence is, and it taught me to never put your eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can be chosen and select i think you know i was top 20 or something like that and you know um, thousands yeah 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 and and now that that experience was cool um you know i got to do the whole performance on the stage and rap and, and do this and you know at the end of the day i didn't i didn't win which is okay mm-hmm. um but I learned a lot from the situation. Uh, I, I learned to take take the meat, throw away the bones. You know, like, if I didn't win, cool. Did I learn something? Did I meet some people? Did I spread my brand out a little bit? Do people know what I can do now? Or more people know what I can do than did before? Yeah, and I think that's, that's I, I, I had to find the light in the situation. Mm-hmm. So, like when you said, put, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Like when you were selected as, like, one of the top finalists, were you like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make it? Was that like your feeling? No, nah, like, it wasn't. It wasn't. I'm gonna make it. It was like I'm gonna know, blow up. It was. I ain't gonna lie. It was me saying to myself, "Can any of these other people do what I do?" And you was like, "Hell no!" Nah. And I said, I "Hell no!" Nah. <laughs> but at the same time, I couldn't do what some of them could do, and the things I thought were important weren't as important as I thought they were. And, you know, mm. that's when that's what I kind of had to learn. You know, like, man, you could do this in. and that and this and that. Like, I could say, I could come here and say, I produced this. I mixed it. I mastered it. I wrote it. That's me singing on the hook, and that's me rapping. But what the world hears is one song. They don't, all they hear is the one song. They don't hear produced by, written by, sung by, Mixed by, mastered by. So all the things that were, like, spectacular in my eyes, like, man, it's incredible and that I'm able to do all this. And, you know, like, because I watched Ryan Leslie do it. Mm-hmm. When the world here, it's just, it's just a song. And either they love it or they hate it. And even if they love it, that extra 
those extravagant things about it, about the creation process, sometimes they never know. They don't even know who produced some of these records half the time. I think today's world pr- producers are more rock stars than they have ever been. Have ever been. You know, so I think today's world, and especially with, you know, social media, Instagram, everything's more visual, so they can be the superstars. Mm-hmm. But at that time... There was no Instagram. <laughs> no, it wasn't yeah, on the social yeah. media. It social wasn't media no, changed exactly. so much. Now, just speaking on producing, because you know you get a lot of people that want to be, you know, in front of the, you know, on the stage, in front of the camera with being the artist. But production, I think, is more of a more intimate piece of the puzzle. So what are some of the things you go through with production? Like, who are some of your favorite producers as well? Oh, man. I, I saw my favorite producers. Um, again, Ryan Leslie. I love what he does. Um, I find a genius in not just that he can play a bunch of instruments, but um, just the, the the notes and and the melodies that he hears before he creates. Um, Pharrell, Pharrell has Pharrell created Pharrell. some of the, some of the best songs across all genres, and he's done it for the last twenty five years, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, who else? I like what Mike Will does. Um, I like uh, I like some of the newer producers too. Uh, my guy, Business Boy, out of L.A., he's got a stronghold on the new wave of R and B right now. Um, and just his work ethic is unmatched. I mean, I have I might have seen him post something from at the club once mm-hmm. in the four or five years I've known him. Every other day is studio, working studio, studio, studio. Working. So basically, um, whenever I'm producing, it's got to be, I have to shut down the world. Um, so it's got to be dead silent. I normally work alone 99% of the time. So it's got to be dead silent. I get my little aromatherapy ball with the with the little mood changing light on it, okay. I mean, I put that on, cut the lights <laughs> off, and it's just me, my keyboard, and and these sounds, and I just take it one at a time and and build. Sometimes I create something in five minutes because I hear the whole track in my head. Sometimes mm-hmm. it may take twenty or so, but um, amazing. Man, I appreciate it. <laughs> like, you know, but it's just where wherever I, I let the music lead me. I don't try to force it because when it's forced, it's sound force. You know, mm-hmm. sounds real. I agree. You know, structured. Okay. Now, one of the things you mentioned was work ethic. Now, my girl, Beyonce. Are you a Beyonce fan? You in the Beehive? I'm not in the Beehive, but I <laughs> respect it with all. Hold on. Let me say this for the camera. I respect Beyonce <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to the limits. I feel a butt coming. <laughs> There's no butt. Okay, no butt. Mm-mm. Okay, so, you know, Beyonce just released uh, Homecoming on Netflix, and that was her performance at Coachella last year. But it was some of the more of the behind-the-scenes moments and you learned that, you know, Beyonce just had those twins. And yeah. I think she had to do Coachella five months after them babies. So, you know, she was on a grueling diet. Um, you know, and she's the type, she don't play in rehearsals. Like, your ass going to be here on time. <laughs> you going to do what I say you going to do. <laughs> 100%. Okay. Yeah. So, it's, it's something to be said about her work ethic, her grind. Like, I mean, being an independent artist, Coway. Um, what do you think uh, there is to be said about having good work ethic? It is more important than the product you're putting out. I, you know, you can sell ice in Alaska if you can, if you know how to push it right, if you know how to market it right. You know, like, it, it your work ethic will trump anything else you do. It's so important because as an independent, you don't have a machine. So you don't, we're independents. A lot of most of the time, you don't have the budget that a label has. Um, beyond that, you don't have everything they do. So you don't have a publicist. You don't have PR. You don't have marketing rep. You don't have somebody to uh, upload your music. You don't have anybody to copyright it. You don't have anybody to BMI. Um, you have to set all of that up, 
And then you have to set up your six-month plan. So your releases, when they're going to release, the visuals you're going to release, any intermediate content that you have to release with that. It's it, it's, it's You have to do <laughs> the jobs of 100 people. That's why the labels, you know, that's why they stick some people, you know, in these deals because, man, they got to pay. I think somebody said at a... I think Arista or one of these record labels, they said in the building it's 192 people working. You have to do the job of 192 people Mm-mm. as a person and be the artist. They have 192 people that work <laughs> on the artist and you have to be the artist. And the artist. And you have to be the artist. Okay. And it's that much of an uphill battle. Now, with the new technology and the new platforms and stuff out today, it's made the playing field a lot easier. You know, now you can get on iTunes and Spotify and all these things for 10 bucks. And now you can do um, Instagram ads and YouTube ads and everything. And now cameras are much cheaper to get. You know, you can get a quality Sony camera for, you know, thousand bucks or so some you know it's a lot of money um to some people and you know like but when you're talking about your product and your investment and these things like you have to think about the best way to spend your money like a lot of the times people look at me like coe doesn't really work with anybody it's not that no no that's definitely not true it's just that when I think about when I when I think about releasing a project or or a product, I have to figure out the best way to spend that budget. So if I got five hundred dollars to put behind a song, and I know somebody charges four hundred dollars to shoot the video, that leaves me a hundred dollars for marketing promotion. Mm-hmm. Whereas, what I did, you know, I invested in a camera years ago. Um, I know what I need. I could pay one of my homeboys lunch to shoot it i said man hold the camera just aim it at me (laughs) or maybe swap some services i mean i'll give you some shots or something like that now i have 450 dollars to put behind Mm -hmm. you know the marketing so the product goes a lot further for the same dollar you know you have to think a lot of people don't understand but that's thinking like a label you know like when they say we got two hundred thousand to spend on this artist they have to figure out they have to package in all that together now 200 is a lot more than a thousand or or five hundred dollars but that's how you have to think you have to think about the best way to spend that buck you know and and get the maximum return on it and i think that's awesome like you're being very resourceful and go the extra mile to teach yourself something because i think you know some of you folks out here lazy they don't want to do some of the things (laughs) that you're willing to sacrifice to do yeah like man i one of my videos is up now. It's uh, my video uh, series. I shot the entire video myself. Mm. Like, I set the camera up, caught angles, caught this, had to change, you know, camera settings, lighting, and had to edit the video myself. Mm. Um, but the video came out amazing. And it was it it was completely stemmed on the fact that Man, like I couldn't, I couldn't depend on anybody else in that situation. So, mm-hmm. I had to make it happen. You was proud of yourself. You know, it wasn't until after the video drop, and people start saying, "Cause it's a funny video. It's called serious, but like the video is kind of unserious." Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a disclaimer at the front of the video explaining the situation, and it wasn't until people told me that. That video itself was an inspiration to them because it's like, man, I'm sitting here and, compl- you know, complain and do all this, and you could go out and shoot your own video. Mm-hmm. You never know who's paying attention, man, watching some, some of the moves you're making, and you're really being a good example. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of these people need to hear that because, you know, with me working in radio, you know, folks will hit you up. Can you listen to this? Yeah. Can you do this? You ask them one question, they – it's not even going to happen. I mean, it's just like a give and take type thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, ugh. Um, <laughs> going back to Beyonce's work ethic, um, like I said, she was grinding the homecoming. Netflix doc was <laughs> off the chain. I'm like, it's just really inspirational just to see what's behind the scenes and to see it on stage. Like, this is the final product. Yeah. Of all that hard work. People don't, 
people often forget and they just think, oh, she's rich. Uh, she's right, and that's like the top thing in their head. She's on top for a reason. Yes. Funny yes. thing, I got a Beyonce story. You do? <laughs> oh, my God. What? So when I was 11, <laughs> I flew to Houston, Texas, which a lot of people don't know that's where Beyonce is from. So my uncle, bless him, <laughs> he's uh he, he lives in Texas. And what part? Houston. In Houston, okay. Yeah. So uh, he's a little bit on CP time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, we he picks us up from the airport, me and my sisters, first time on an airplane. Like, you know, terrifies him. Land, and he's like, are y'all hungry? And me, being an 11-year-old little fat kid, I'm like, yeah, I'm hungry. I want some barbecue. Like, and so he, you know, made, made his point, made it a point to take us to a barbecue spot. Whole time his phone's ringing. And he was like, you know, we were going to go to uh, Six Flags. and But he's like, we don't have enough time. We're going to make it. I'm a, I'm like wiping my fingers like, Six Flags? We could have yeah. skipped all this. <laughs> it was um, it was Beyonce's dad. Holling the phone. Mm-hmm. They're, they're old friends, my uncle and her dad. Mm-hmm. They were at Six Flags. And we were supposed to go with Destiny's Child. That's the whole group. Yeah, and they were just, and the whole time they was there and just walking around like Norma. And we, my little chubby ass is at the nearest barbecue joint. <laughs> like, missed out. Missed out on, on a the chance DC. to go to Six Flags with Beyonce. Wow. I know, I know as you look at it in your older years now, you're like, dang. You know, I try not to let it uh, kill me now. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But uh, no, nah, because even then at 11, I was making beats and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, I was just trying to figure it out, you know, and that'd have been. Well, you know what? I got a Beyonce story too, though. Uh oh. Uh oh. You know, I'm from Beaumont, Texas originally. Okay. So I've been in the Mid South since 95. And. I graduated from Lemoyne, but even with me being from Texas and going to Lemoyne, my senior year at Lemoyne, um, I was a, a Dubois scholar. So we would go on like these leadership trips to different schools. So Destiny Child was performing at uh, Texas, what was it? Texas, uh, I'm trying to think of it. Texas Tech, some shit. But they performed, and it was when Beyonce and Kelly was the main members, and they were trying out other girls, Uh, you know, at that point at the breakup. But, baby, they was working themselves. I didn't meet her or nothing, but I did see them (laughs) perform as Destiny's Child for our group, you know. But it was cool to see them back then. They was working. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, (laughs) God bless Kelly, the second lead singer of (laughs) Destiny. Destiny's child, but no. Nah, God like, bless Michelle. Oh, God bless Michelle. I think I was a part of Destiny's child at one time. I you think I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the background too. Baby, that girls be working, and you know, Frankie Beverly uh, came out with a statement because you know she remixed "Before I Let You Go" and Memphis. I don't take heat, producer. You know, take heat. I've met him. I've met him. Mm-hmm. I met him uh, a couple times, but I don't. I don't know him personally. But yeah, I don't know him personally either. But he did produce uh, the remix of "Before I Let Go" and uh, Frankie Beverly. You know, all these stories are coming out today about how he reacted. And your boy Frankie Beverly said, "This is one of the high points of my life." Oh, man, that's how that's he feel awesome. about me, baby. He Frankie though. He what? Frankie though. Like that's how B feel about him. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Now, just speaking of music and the landscape of music, you know, it's a hot record out right now that people can't get enough of. And it's kind of like crossed over um, into being, I think, the most streamed song of all at this point. I'm talking about Old Town Road, (laughs) Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus. What do you think about this song? I love, I think, first of all, I love the song. Um, it's completely untraditional, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's something refreshing. Like it's it's it just is. a break from the norm, the you know the third count rapping and all that. I think the backstory got people in a frenzy, and it was already a good product, a good song. And I think they were like, "We gonna ride for this young man," mm-hmm. because 
for them to not grant him on on the country music charts, I look at it from both sides. Um, I look at it what people consider it or, or what the people submitting are considering it. Then I look at it from, you know, Billboard standpoint, because they do have a tough job sometimes categorizing songs because people do spoof songs, joke songs and stuff like that all the time. So for them, they have they have to make sure things are in order. I don't think it was uh, any I, I, I don't think it was so much of like any racist malice or anything like that. You know, I think they could have went about it a little bit different, did some more investigation before they just start pulling strings. But because um, at this point, I was I was trying to understand what in that country category X's this song out. Exactly, because I've actually managed a country group before. Like I've written country songs, and what makes you country? <laughs> what makes you not country? Exactly, there are Luke Bryan songs with 808s oh, in I it. I love Luke Bryan. They're, they're literally they're Florida Georgia Line songs with a lot of 808s and snares, and you know, synchronized uh, timing and stuff like that. So, for them to to pull it, right? I don't think they should have pulled. I think you know. I, more investigation should have went, and I, I think they should have really got to the core of it. And, and man, let it live. Really? And let it live. And what ended up happening, Billy Ray jumped on it. And even then, it, there was some there was something that came out a couple of days ago, uh, Billy Ray's hometown. They got a post or a big billboard, and it says, congratulations, Billy Ray, number it. one streaming so- song in the world, That's and it said crazy. nothing about Lil Nas, and in the very bottom, it was like Lil Nas X at remix. At the bottom. At the bottom. You saw what he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he stood right next to it yeah. with a, with a with sign and said, I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for Lil Nas. Yeah. I liked it. But I think the story made everybody rally behind him. I know I did. Like, you I know, I was... So. But Anytime. I like this song. Yeah, I'm I, man, I, I spent my money to play that song on the jukebox. Sing me the hook. Let me hear you sing it. I'm going to take my horse to the old town road uh, and I'm ride to the cane no more. Hey, I lo- look, my five-year-old go crazy. The kids. When that song comes Yeah, out. the kids go crazy. And yes. like. Yes. Instead of having the number, and here's what they did to themselves. What they did. So instead of having the number one song in the world being a country record, now it's an urban record. It's an urban. That's what we're categorized as today. I'm. I believe so. <laughs> Regardless, y'all want to pull this song off the chart? Cool. Mm-hmm. It's the number one. Like you said, one of the highest streaming songs. It's the yes. most dominant song since Mariah Carey and like. 2000 or something like that like it's five times higher than the next (laughs) closest song like i would hate to drop like i would hate to have a machine behind me and like drop a single right now you're not going number one right now but you know what he's getting a lot of flack from haters i say uh there's a rapper you know dave east off the east coast dave east yeah he was talking bad about Lil Nas songs talking about his whack anyway blah 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 you know uh, Lil Nas X is not studying him at all. Not at all. Here, here's the thing, man. Like, first of all, and and I I like some of Davey's music. I'm I'm not gonna call him whack or anything. He's not. But he know how hard it was coming up. He know how what he went through. Man, he would pray for an old time road. Me right now. No. I wish I had an old time road. And not to say like to take the song away from Lil Nas. I'm just saying a like song of that nature, or like you know, or to have the success like that. You talking about the number one song in the world? How you gonna call it whack? Yeah, I'm Who talking about it? man. You <laughs> so you can't hate on somebody else's success. Mm. It wasn't for you. It was not for you. So if you don't like the song, cool, but don't put bad energy. This is a young man. He ain't done nothing. He don't gang bang. He don't he don't have strippers it's on his Instagram. Guy. He riding horses. He taking pictures like, you know. Did you see him post that video from University of Memphis when they was getting yeah. crunk off the side? He was like, where is this? I need to go. Yeah. <laughs> now, at the same speed, it's like, man, can you play me a Davies? Ain't nobody inspired. Ain't like and not and that's not the shit on Dave. Excuse my language. That's not the okay. That's not the shit on Davies. But um, 
like you can't hate somebody else's success. If it made it to you, he's done something right. If yeah. you've heard it and then were able to call it whack, he's done <laughs> something attention. right. But <laughs> I look at it like this, man. Like I don't consider anything whack. Here's why. It's just not for you. Like I have, you know, when I play records that, you know, when I when I DJ and I play records, I have a lot of young kids come up to me and say, "Why are you playing this whack ass old music?" Matter of fact, I was playing. Oh my God, I was playing. Frankie Beverly and Mays. I had this young lady come how up old, to me. How old was he? Not even, not even nineteen, twenty, maybe. What she say? She said, "Why are you playing this reggae?" Not on a Frankie Beverly record. Yes. She said, why are you playing this reggae music? I looked at her and I said, you what reggae song? This one right here you playing now? I said, ma'am, just go sit down. <laughs> just go sit down. Like, it, it's, you know, if you don't like something, it's just not for you. Right. You know, but there's plenty of people with music that ain't for them, and they, they doing way better than you think. Right, right. Man. Now, were you a big Nipsey Hustle fan? I was a fan of Nipsey's persona. Um, I had there was a few records I liked by him, and I heard Victory Lap before he passed. Um, it was on a drive going to Atlanta, and it was a it's a great album. Mm-hmm. I um, like that album. I was a fan of what he stood for, mm-hmm. and what he kind of represented, and what he was trying to do. So you knew more about the man Nipsey Hussle exactly, beyond exactly. The music, which yeah. that was really more. You know, of the major thing he did on top of the music. You exactly. Know? Man, building a store. He, man, employing his homeboys and ex-felons and stuff like yeah. this. Like, to give these people a second chance at life. Mm-hmm. Like, man, that's, that's what major. you're supposed to do. Like, you look, uh, excuse me, you look at some of these people. Man, they go out. They run up millions. And what they do, they just buy Every piece of jewelry they can find, they buy every car they can find. Mm-hmm. If you took it and broke down some of these rappers' jewelry that they say they spent three and four million on, if they actually did spend three or four million on it, like they could take that, make a budget, and put it behind ten artists and change their whole neighborhood's life. Really Man, nice. I'm talking about. And then. They could take that money. If they didn't want to invest in anybody, okay, that's your money. You can do whatever you want to. Man, you could go buy up the land. You could go buy up the city for that much. I'm not going to wear a $3 million, $4 million in jewelry, and I don't own a business. Okay. Like, And I don't own three or four Chili's. I don't own the McDonald's. I don't own... And and as you call away, it's just some of these men are just so misguided. Yeah, it's it's the lack of it's I think it's the lack of knowledge. Like people don't know how to build generational wealth. No. Like I have I have the blessing of having some really close friends that are building and have been able to sustain generational wealth and they transfer. And it's not I'm talking about I know millionaires that wear gap. Mm-hmm. And old navy. That's what I say. These people with this long money really are more, you know, yeah. modest about and drive. Yeah, like Chevy Trailblazers and stuff. What they say, like if you if it's real flashy, that means th- those those are like the brokest people. But yeah, the yeah. wealthiest people are the more subtle. Short more, money is very loud. Yeah, because it's like, look at yeah. me, I got it now. Look at me, look at me. Yeah, that A long rich money don't want that attention. They don't want you to know that they own this building that you're walking into. They because because a lot of times they trying to see how how people interact in their business. Like when you walk into their business, they want to see how you getting taken care of and how you interact and how you spend money in there because they got to figure that out on the masses. They got to figure out okay if. I get a thousand people a day. I got to figure out how to get a thousand people to spend X amount of money here every time they step in this building. So they not worried about driving no Bentley or nothing like that. No. What? (laughs) Now, Conway, how did race or does race come into play with you being an independent artist in Memphis? What what does that look like for you? I'm going to be completely transparent. I I need you to be. (laughs) Um, because of my image, um, a lot of people automatically assume what my music's going to sound like before they hear it. 
A lot of people don't know the depths of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of a combination, a melting pot of, you know, my race, my my style. Um, but until I speak, people always it's the beard too. <laughs> people people don't know what I'm what I'm going to sound like on a track. Um and you know, just by society, you know, whenever I meet a white person, like, oh, you do music? I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, you rap? I'm like, <laughs> at times, they're like, oh. you know, it, that's normally the first thing. But it's not necessarily racist. It's just statistically in the yeah. city, yeah, 98% of the rappers are black, yeah. you know. And yeah. when you meet somebody who does music in the city, Ninety eight percent of the time they rap. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just statistics that that get you on that one. Yeah. But um But I, you know what, I see a lot of musicians I see a lot of diversity amongst musicians in Memphis though. Like they will hang out together, they will play together. I've seen a lot of that, but I guess it's not rap what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Now there there's some musicians here, some instrumentalists that uh that, you know, go across races. Mm-hmm. One common thing, they all got that soul, though. Mm-hmm. Like, even, you know, even some of the Caucasians and the Mexican, you know, guitarists and things that I've met, like, man, they they study uh, the blues and they, they, they study all these greats that we have, um, you know. But everybody's always got that soul in them, that Memphis in them. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think yeah. that's very important. Matter of fact, all the top performers and live acts and traveling singers and all they come, they all come to Memphis and get their musicians. They come and they come and it, yeah. it could be you know any given time you got a real major musician in the city recording. They want this Memphis spirit of yeah, something. <laughs> something in the water. It's something real, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, Conway, what does that dating life look like? Remember I said last time I saw you, uh, <laughs> we were at the live show from DMs to Dating. Dating? And Dirty. we were talking about <laughs> social media, right? And you just bust out and said, I am trying to quote you, but I want to misquote you. You was like, can we just be an adult yeah. around here? Well, yeah, I think the question was, uh, you know, Getting ghosts on people, getting ghosted, and that's that's not the thing to do, man. You gotta, you have to be honest with your feelings, or somebody gonna be left in the dark. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about ghosting somebody: like sometimes they don't get it, and they can still <laughs> be on your tail. You can be, yeah, you know, and you think you done dipped them and everything because you done left them on red on the gram or something like that. You yeah. done dies a Facebook message, not being you, an adult, yeah, and then you see these folks out, and all of a sudden. They want to have that conversation, and you at a graduation or something. Yeah. Like, Awkward. no, have that conversation <laughs> up front. Have that, you know, transparency up front. Let them know that what it is because mm-hmm. the worst thing you do is have somebody out here wonder, you know. And uh, I, like I said, it is up to us as adults to uh, make sure we focus on helping each other grow, especially in a black community. Like, yeah. If there's something I did wrong, let me know. How are you navigating with dating on social media? Or do you? Do you have you ever <laughs> dated someone you've met on social media? Um, I've I've entertained the thought. Like, you know, I've I've gone out and hung out with some people I met on social media. It's the new, you know, like social media is the new Wild Wild West. Like that's just where everybody lives. We everybody's got a phone on. We all live in our phones at some point of the day. Um, <sighs> DMs, it's funny, like, you know, with the new kind of era of the, you know, city girls and, and yeah. it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot more confidence I see in females in the dating world. Mm. They're a lot more forward than they've ever been. Mm. Like some of the DMs I get... They all in the DM, not just a picture they post in visual. Oh, that too. Oh, we talking about that too. Yeah, I'm that talking too. about but when they slide in for the kill. Well, like what? Give me, give me an example, Callaway. Oh my god. Hold What's on. the like most? Oh my god! Like made you blush DM you've received. 
where you from? I have I've never seen a guy like you. They don't make him like you where I'm from. Like it, man. It's it be some girls that fall in love with just the thought of you. Really? Yeah, and you know, it's nothing. I mean, it's nothing you could do with that. You know, especially not. 10, 12 hours away, but when you start talking about, you know, I'm, I might catch a flight down there to see. Oh, they trying to get mm, flew out to No, you. they trying to flow, flew out. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, they trying to fly out to because, see. Yeah, no. Nah, first of all, I'm not. I, it ain't that serious you, on this social media. Yeah, let me, let me put the disclaimer out there. Ladies, y'all not getting flued out <laughs> Look, by Coldway. That ain't in his budget, ladies. It ain't even about the budget. I'm, it ain't even about the budget. Man, look. <laughs> <laughs> it's grind time right now. It's hustle season. It is. Um, I believe everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Timing is perfect. And when it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Yeah. You know, but what about don't. about the old face to face? Do you like that? I love it. You know, I love meeting people uh, in person because I'm very, very big on energy. And when I meet somebody and we we speak, and I'm looking for certain things that other people aren't looking for, like like, what? like some people look, yeah, man, what the ass look like, and man, how body hit and this and that. I'm looking at how you smile and when you smile and what you're smiling at. I'm trying, I'm looking at those kind of things because in my head, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what you're smiling at because I'm trying to figure out if I can do that for you in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure. I, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out like how I can sustain it, and I watch what people smile at. Like, what what makes you do this in this situation? Like, oh man, somebody done bought you three bottles, and you all happy. Oh, oh okay, man. that that's what make you. I'm not gonna buy you three bottles every time. And like, somebody held the door, you smiling. That 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 kind of thing gets me because like if if you can appreciate the little things, you know. I might not always be up. I might not always be down. But wherever I'm at, if you can appreciate what I'm doing for you at that time, I think that's most important. That is so sweet, Coway. <laughs> you know what? I'm a, you're going to be on the panel on the next live pod. How about hey. that? How about that? I'll, I'll book it. I'll, I'll, I'm available. <laughs> I'm available. I'm ba- so mad. Okay. Um, so can I... I guess come to the conclusion with what you just stated that you're single. I am. I'm single. Um <sighs> and mingling. I'm single and ten percent mingle. Man, I'm two stepping out here. Yeah, I ain't even two You know mm-hmm. I'm I'm single but I ain't single single. Okay. And I say that because like I think people can be single but not single, single. Mm-hmm. Like people don't understand where they are in their headspace. Like, I'm. I mean, I'm by myself. I have no attachments to anybody. I'm just hustle mode right now. I'm grind mode. Mm-hmm. So I'm not looking for anything now. Mm-hmm. I, you know, something were to come up on me, like something real. I know what that look like, so I know how to, you know, move in that kind of situation. With you being an artist, do have you ever noticed? people attracted to the grind and that only piece of it like maybe that yeah was it easy to weed that out of course of course because um it's more focused on the physical and the top layer of everything they can see Mm -hmm. and that's very easy to weed out you know because it's you only see especially on the ground like you're gonna see me at my best 90% 90% of the time, like, because you always got to be on point. Somebody looking, you at a show, you at a meeting, you at a this and that, and somebody can always see you, you know, sauced up at a, at your A game. Mm-hmm. When you're at your B game, your C game, your D game, that's when, you know, you really get to see how somebody treats you. That's true. That's true. When you weed it all out, right? Yeah. Now, speaking of weed. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Okay, quick question. <laughs> Have you seen the documentary on Netflix that just came out called um, Grass is Greener? I have not. I have not. Tell me about it. Okay, so this doc is about, you already know Fab Five Freddy, right, from Yo! MTV Raps. He is like, you know, uh, the host of the show. Yeah. And it's really kind of like talking about 
how far we've come with the legalization of weed. But when weed was first introduced <clears throat> to this country, you know, it was a lot of jazz musicians um, that smoked it in the southern states. And, you know, it, it, and it brought people together, the weed did. Yeah. So it was a lot of diversity with who came to see them play as musicians. So the white women was coming up in there. Uh, it was yeah. a lot of mixing and mingling. That's why some of us a little bit of high yellow no, right now. You know, uh, I'm pretty on that, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, just a little... Okay. Yeah, little so, jazz bay in there. They didn't like that. <laughs> Look, they didn't like that. <laughs> they didn't like that. What's my boy from uh, New Orleans? Louis Armstrong. Mm. So they talked a lot about Louis, how he smoked weed every day. Yeah. Every day. And he couldn't understand why it wasn't legal and why it was such a big move for, you know, prohibition against it. It was really good. They laid out some interesting facts, such as there are fewer than 1% black ownerships. And these dispensaries, a lot of the history with people being arrested at disproportionate rates was due to the, you know, war on drugs. It talked about the former presidents and their engagement in the war on drugs. You know, it was talking about the cannabis industry, that that cannabis, that marijuana, that Sheba Sheba. What also struck out to me was, you know, the prison industry in Louisiana is just booming like bigger than ever. And they showed an image of a bus, a prison bus, rolling by on the side of the bus. It says State of Louisiana and Prison Enterprises. I mean, it really struck me because that's really where the root of a lot of this stuff started. And it just talked about, you know, how a lot of us are talking about today. So many people are in jail right now for having weed on them, shit like that. And now it's legal in a lot of states. So Mm -hmm. it's really good. You need to check it out. But what do you think about the legalization of weed, cannabis, marijuana? I'm I'm so for it, Um, mainly on the medicinal purposes. Um, We push legal drugs, pharmaceuticals on the world. Big money. And this stuff is big money but it's big cancer and big killers. Like this stuff, people get hooked on Xanax. And man, I met a guy yesterday. I ran into a guy, and uh, he was telling me how he had to get over his Xanax addiction because when he first, when he went to the doctor for the first time to get his prescription, the doctor gave him two months worth off top. It's called a hard subscription. So two months for a month usage. And he f- fucked around. He used two months worth in less than a month because he had it. Oh my god! He said, "Man, he was a zombie. He man, he couldn't operate without it." And he had. And here's the thing: guess how he got over it? Cannabis. Yeah. That was his, you know, anxiety medicine, and that made him pull Break back, away. and that made him, yeah. Wow. And I'm like, it does. There's not a. There's not a documented situation in the world where somebody has overdosed on cannabis. That's true. You can overdose on Advil, mm-hmm. and you can get that from the store. Mm-hmm. You don't need you don't need no kind of medical card or anything. Like man, you you telling me somebody could take ten Advil and die, but somebody could smoke ten blunts and just. Get the munchies. <laughs> That's about it. That's and, about and, all they And we're not trying to legalize it. Man, it helps with anxiety. It helps with appetite. It helps with uh, depression, um, pain, uh, inflammation, these things. It has no negative. It has no negative stigma to it. Um, you might be loud. like You might smell like weed and somebody might not like that. Okay, cool. But uh, other than that, I mean, it has so many benefits. This is why these states are like, we can tax it anyway. Right. It doesn't hurt anybody. Man, legal, legal, legal. Right. They got a legal in man, states. You in, I think uh, Maine is legal in. Like, it's it's legal in Maine. Like, I had somebody come down. He's like, man, I'm from Maine, and we smoke all the time. It's, a, it's like, legal in Arkansas now, right? Medical, yes. Medical. So, okay. and, that, and that starts next week. Which hey, is, yeah, yeah, the guy yeah. I ran into yesterday, okay. he told me. He That's said, man, they have like, it's thousands of people lined up as soon as it, the dispensaries get open. Ooh. Man, and you know it's finna. What about trying to own a dispensary? That's what I'm talking about man, with the generational wealth. Hemp, What's up with that? The hemp production in Tennessee, since CBD has legal lives, has gone up 5,000%. Wow. 
It's oh, coming. Man. Tennessee oh. is next. I think we're about three to four years out. Three to five years, I'll say, before it's legal it's in Tennessee. It's time to invest now. Invest, they're, they're coming in buying up all the land. The Colorado dispensaries <laughs> and, the, and the growers out there, <laughs> they're already here buying up land. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important, man. Like For real. That's that's that generational wealth, man. Like for real, that's, that's what I'm saying. A you own some land. That. That's what got my. That's what got Martin Luther King Jr. killed. It wasn't the "I Have a Dream" speech. It was a week later. He had a speech where he was telling all the black people. He said, "Man, go out, save all your money, buy up as much land as you can, mm-hmm. because when they get to building infrastructures and stuff, they're going to pay you for that." Yes, that like, is crazy. Yeah. Whenever you can get your hands on some land, you got to keep it. You got to get it. Oh, yeah. Because some land ain't for the low, low no more. <laughs> like, Not at all. <laughs> you need some cheese at this point because everybody, people are more aware now yeah. of what's going on with building generational wealth and owning property, owning land. I mean, that's like, I guess that would be like the number one source of generational wealth. What do you think? It is. And I think ultimately, no, it it is. Um, land definitely is. A lot of people are looking at this new frontier of the internet, and they're looking at that as the new land to own and build generational wealth. Well, even then, if everything goes online, you have to have warehouses to facilitate all of this stuff that they sell it online. You have to have yeah. buildings to manage the mainframes of these yeah, websites production. and these apps and stuff like that. Land is not going anywhere. Nowhere. The, yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, your website can no get canceled tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Made again either. Yeah, <laughs> so you yeah. Get you know, your, your, your website can cancel tomorrow. So it's like, it's wow. very important to own the physical. And I think people are so tied up with the social media and intangibles and things like that that they forget about the tangibles to hear the we you know what I'm saying, we still human, we still breathe. Like I think people are trying to get kind of AI, you know, uh, think yeah. that way. AI, that's the that's the future that AI miss. But um you know what? I want to transition into one more topic. I have really been enjoying you on this podcast. Why you good? Hey, appreciate hey. it. One more thing, because this is kind of like a recent story. I want to get your your thoughts on this. And I probably already know what you're going to say. Um, Bumby, you a fan of Bumby? Yeah. Okay, so you know I'm a Texas girl. Oh, yeah. So you already know what's yeah. up with that. Well, rapper Bumby shot an unarmed, I'm sorry, an armed intruder trying to steal his car. Let me just, I don't know, if, have you heard about this? I haven't. Okay, check this out. So, um, Bumby's wife heard the doorbell ring and opened the door without looking, believing it was Amazon delivering a package, right? Okay. When she answered, a man wearing a mask pointed a gun at her head and demanded property as he forced his way into their home. Now, fearing for her life, Bumby's wife pleaded with the suspect, identified as 20-year-old DeMonte Jackson, not to harm her and told him to take their car in the garage. Bumby heard the commotion, grabbed a gun, came downstairs. The rapper confronted dude in the garage as they both fired shots at each other. The suspect ran away and later showed up at the hospital for treatment for a gunshot wound to his shoulder. Uh, Jackson has been charged with two counts of aggravated robbery and one count of burglary. Bumby, who police said has not been charged, was not injured, neither was his wife. How would you respond in that situation, Cole? Man, I'd have <laughs> Superman down the stairs with the man with that thing. Like, hey, man, when you got something you're trying to protect, your loved ones, your house, your kingdom, Man, protected at all costs, cause that's yeah. that's what that's what for me that's what I do it for. I do it for the fam. I do it for man. What I got, you know, coming after me. So, no, nah, I I yeah. for me I I I'd, I'd, I'd open the door thing on me. <laughs> I, I was, baby, hold on, hold on. Let me let me go ahead and get that. Let, I, let me first of all, it's a package anyway. You don't need to pick that up. I got it. Okay, I got it. And I met Bumby and his wife. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, they just. Very, very humble people. Mm-hmm. Man, but psh, he did exactly what I would do. That I'd have chased crazy. him. I ain't going to lie to you, I, man. Yeah. He he only got hit once. He but Thank God what? it was Bun. That could have ended a lot of different ways. They said they both shot at each other. That could have ended 
a lot of ways. He's really yeah. blessed. You know what I'm saying? And it's just so many people, I think, uh, well, in this day and age, we have, I guess, more rights to bear arms, right? So in this situation, thank God he had a gun, you know? Yeah. And in other situations, you know, you got a lot of people out here carrying, just brandishing weapons. You know, I live in Mississippi, so I see a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah, y'all got the gunslinger law down there. Hello! So, um, you know, we got um, the election coming up next year. Is that next year, right? I think so, yeah. So we got all these legislators and people with their opinions on gun laws. Do you have a standpoint on gun laws if they should change anything of that nature (laughs) yes so the only thing i think should be changed about gun laws are who they allow to have them and what situation they're allowed to have them in um i think getting a gun could be a tad bit more um inquisitive i think they can do a little bit more uh research on the individual person pass a background check i think there needs to be a psyche check mm. um for that thing but i'm all for owning a gun i own a gun um and it's not it's not for anything other than self-protection mm-hmm. um and i think these kind of situations even when you have somebody as pure as bun b or even like nipsey hustle like man there's always that bad batch of people yeah. you know that that don't want to see you do good and only self-centered only want to worry about themselves so i think as the bad people are able to get guns i think so should the good Mm -hmm. um that's why some of these states i don't understand how they don't have they don't allow guns Um, it's crazy yeah because all the bad people get them and then you man good hearted soul you know Mm -hmm. level-headed and if you get caught with a gun you man they're gonna throw you under the jail wow it's just crazy it's just so much going on i saw this morning uh on my twitter timeline joe biden has put his uh uh hat in for president now oh look look at at biden look at all of these big b folks we got on the democratic card right now it's just so many people and you know these folks going in on big b oh wow Okay, because you're from Arkansas, right? Arkansas? With, with the Clintons, right? Okay, yeah. So their crime bill that they developed, um, the one that got so many blacks incarcerated, uh, it was Joe Biden who wrote it. And so uh, the thing now, everybody keep bringing that up. He wrote it, which I going to say about him now. He running for president. Are y'all going to let this shit slide? I'm going to tell you like this. If a crime bill is the only thing we got to worry about with Joe Biden, <laughs> give him me, uh, give me him over Trump any day. Trump over got Trump, Trump got please. crime built in his DNA. Like he he mm-hmm. trying to lock everybody up. Everybody's poor to him. Everybody don't make we no don't money. This like you what know, the fuck? man. This whole Mueller report came out. Trump yeah. said, "I'm glad they had the Mueller report. <laughs> I'm glad." It's gonna be great. Like he don't have no political views on it. He just man, he say the I'm same the thing, and I don't understand the people that follow him. That's crazy. And he tried to fire everybody who said no to him when he asked him to do something. Look, his whole administration is gone. Who does he have left? Like it's a revolving door. Exactly. I'm and sick of this shit. They they got him. They they got they got Trump on some. They about to indict him and, and bring him up really? on some charges. Because so. Mueller did not press any charges. He put out the report so Congress could do what their Congress thing. What Congress going to do? Man, look, they, they, it's, <laughs> it's coming out because parts of the uh, Mueller report haven't been, uh, they're, they're still, they were blacked out. Right, they were redacted. So, like yes. you'll never know that piece. No, it's coming out. Like they, they, uh, they're going through the process to, force them to give them the whole the whole spiel See, it's just more and more time 2020 gonna be here tomorrow gonna be out of office so yeah you hoping for that he, indictment he ain't he, he ain't gonna escape somebody <laughs> now nah, he looking at some fed time oh, okay. for when he done done but down the line we're not even talking about the presidency like they trying to bring him up on charges they trying mm-hmm. to get him 
Man, like sit down. I like yeah, to Of course, see it. you I know, like he's he going to throw some money around. 2020 going to be lit. 2020 gonna be live. So live. If you can, y'all make sure y'all man register to vote. Yes. We need to get these marijuana <laughs> legalizations <laughs> on the ballot. On I'm the putting ballot. that out there now. Uh man, and just know who who represents us. Yes. You know now Cole wait, tell everybody what you got going on. What do you want to promote? And give everyone your social so they can DM you. Ah <laughs> trying to put out the ammo so they can shoot me with it. Uh, no, no. Um, the project's coming out very, very soon. Uh, it's called Desperado. Uh, it'll be dropping in May. Uh, I just released two singles. One is called Damage. It's got a reggae feel. The other one is called Kidding. Uh, like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, it's featuring my boy, Michael, Michael Zay. Um, got some things lined up. For for May, going back to Cali to shoot a video with Paul Sanchez. Okay. Uh, he, you know, he's done some work on Netflix and things like that. Um, at the end of May, I got a uh, got another show. This is my second show in London. Um, oh, so this this is wee wee. yeah. No, that's okay. No, that's France. He said wee wee. You know, <laughs> London they speak English. They could, they could be like y'all. Too in London, though. No, they don't. They don't at all. No, no, that's what I had to learn. Like, there's no such thing as a London accent because the accent changes per village that you go to or city. Like, I, I didn't know. I'm Tell like, me more. I said, man, you, y'all want to hear my London accent? No, like, right, like you know the British thing. What's going? London? I was like, hello. Um, what can I do for you? Um, <laughs> it's a way bit of, it's a way bit early, and I was like. That's cool. I, I was mean, like, yeah. huh? You was like, you sound like me. No, that was like, I was like, who do I sound like? It was like, maybe somebody from the other city or something. Oh, my God. Because everybody got a, like, we have, like, Northerners have an right. accent, Southerners and this and that. Man, they, they change just like you that, too. You have a good British accent. Can you say the Verbally Effective Podcast with Ina Esco and your British accent? Hello, it's the Verbally Effective Podcast um, with Ina Esco, double A. Um, thank you. This is Code White. Tune in. Yas. I love it. I love it. Now, how can everybody get in touch with you on social media? Uh, y'all can follow me at uh, Coldway on Instagram, C-O-L-D-W-A-Y. Y'all can follow me at Coldway Pro on Twitter, uh, Coldway on Facebook. Y'all go to my website, lovecoldway.com. Y'all can get all the, the show dates, the tour dates, the, y'all can hear all the new music when it drops, any new videos, um, merch, merch, merch. We merch. got that merch on there. Yeah, we got pre-orders for the Lamb Chop merch right now. Again, Love Colway, L-O-V-E-C-O-L-D-W-A-Y.com. Much. It has indeed been a pleasure, Callaway. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Episode 66 in the book.